Well, and the other thing I think this really has a positive impact on is retention. You know, we think so often about what do we need to do to retain our team members? Is it more money? Is it more gift cards? Is it more, you know, incentives? Is it blah, 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 blah? Well, so much of the time that people, you know, are uncomfortable in a job is because they're being asked questions that they don't know the answer to, or they're being put in, in situations that they don't know how to handle. And that can be difficult, you know, especially someone in, a, in their very first job, 14, 15, 16 year old, they're still, I mean, heck, even 20, 30, 40, 50 year olds, we're still developing as human beings, right? But especially that young, and you're putting somebody in that position where they don't know how to handle situations, that is, that is devastating for someone's confidence. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Matt. Doing pretty well. How are you? I am fantastic. Back in the home studio. Back in the home studio. The, the home studio missed you. <laughs> well, we really enjoyed our time at FAA, but now we're back to Zoom and uh, talking about some fun stuff. So I have a question for you. Okay. So when you go someplace, let's say you're getting a haircut or maybe you're going to the doctor. Do you expect that person to be the expert and give you advice on what you should be doing? Or do you want to have some control or, and or, or autonomy over that experience? That's a really good question. Uh, I am leaning towards the former. <laughs> if I go to whether whether we can we can combine hairstylist and doctor in the same category that they are the experts in what they do, and I'm going to trust their recommendations. I think I would probably, in most situations, want to have some sort of voice in the conversation to at least get the ball rolling, or maybe if there are things that I can say to add input that would then help them make the informed decision that they know what's best for me. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. So part of the reason I'm asking this question is because the other day I went to the, the to get a haircut and the hairstylist, you know, was asking what I thought. And I said, I said, maybe a little bit off over here. And she said, whatever you want, whatever you like. And at the moment I'm thinking, but you're the expert. Like you should know if this is going to stick up funny or whatever. Um, and it really got me thinking, like we talk a lot about, you know, choosing your own adventure from an attractions perspective and having autonomy and being able to, to go where you want to go and, and really harness your own experience. But then I'm also thinking there's probably times when our guests need an expert, right? They mm -hmm. need someone to give them some, some advice and some guidance. And so maybe there's a balance there that we have to have to kind of look at in terms of the guest experience. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because this, this applies to so many circumstances, so many, so many industries, you know, I've, I've heard examples, uh, you know, from restaurants in, in a restaurant where the server is very proficient on the menu, they go way beyond 
being an order taker, right? They, you know, they go up and they, well, first they might ask, you know, are, are there any allergies we should be aware of? Because it's like, I'm not going to recommend that you do that because I know you should not eat that. Uh, but it also could be, you know, what are you in the mood for tonight? Are you looking for, you know, for something sweet or savory? If let's say it's, you know, breakfast or dessert or, you know, or, or something like that, that allows them to guide it and say, this is what you should get. Um, I went to a, a restaurant in Nashville several months ago and we had a, a you know, there was a group of us, there were, there were six of us. Yeah. I think there were, there were six of us. We went to the restaurant and we were all looking at the menu and we couldn't decide. And our server said, if you also look over here, there's the chef's selection and it's, you know, it's, it's a per person, it's a, a multi multi-course meal and it's going to be what the chef decides that you should eat tonight. And we all just set the menus down and we said, you know, Hey, take the, take the burden off of making a decision out from that. And, and, you know, we just metaphorically speaking, we buckled in, we, you know, <laughs> and we're just in for the ride. And I think it was one of the greatest meals I had in my life. So there's wow. the, like, there's kind of like the two sides of this, of you want, you want the autonomy, you want to be able to, to determine, you know, what you want to choose your own adventure. Right. But you also want the experts to say, you're here, you're within my domain. I'm going to tell you how to have the best possible experience. And maybe I'll, I'll ask a few questions, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to kind of get the ball rolling. Actually, not unlike Eddie at the bar who was talking to the guest who didn't quite know what they wanted. He could have said now for those, you know, who, who haven't listened to episode 302 yet, you have to go back and listen to Matt's example of, about this of, of the bartender. He could have said, yeah, I'll make you whatever you want. But instead he said, no, I'm going to make you exactly what you need and what you're not even totally sure that you're describing or asking for. And I think that's a great example of having, you know, someone that's an expert in what they do. And one of the things I think that is a challenge with so many businesses, especially seasonal attractions, is we don't have time to cultivate those experts, right? right? right. So I want to get back to that in a second, but I also wanted to share a quick um, anecdote similar to your restaurant story, because I think this this goes back to repeat business as well. Um, so I was in uh, Long Island recently, and for lunch, I went to the restaurant that was right next to the hotel. I had a great lobster roll right there and and had a great server as well, who before we sat down, we had kind of already decided, you know, this place is known for lobster rolls. We're going to have the lobster roll. But the server comes over and she starts talking about the specials. And the special sounded really, really good. And I knew I was going to have to go someplace for dinner that night, right? So I'm like, ooh, I'll come back for that. Or I'll come back just for the, the peanut butter pie or whatever. But, you know, just because she took a second and she knew the menu, she knew the menu really well, she articulated it and made it sound spectacular. Like, that made me want to come back. And knowing my circumstance that I was staying at that hotel that night, and this was, you know, a two-second walk from the hotel why not? Now I ended up going out with some other folks and we went someplace else, but like that would have, that would have, that would have made my decision right then and right. there. Um, yeah. So I think to your point, like having that expert, having the, the person that can say, you know, even when you're walking into a theme park, go to the left, don't go to the right, you know, cause everybody else is going to the left. So go against the crowd, you know, those kind of things I think um, are really, really valuable for, for your guests. But I also want to get back to that whole concept of creating experts in the field. So 
as you talk a lot about hospitality, as you talk about, you know, serving the guest and the guest experience, what are some things that you have found that have worked for the front line to kind of create that, that expert feeling or that, that ability to serve the guests in a, in a, in a way that they're looking for that doesn't take years and years to develop? Right. One of the things that I, I notice often is that sometimes the experts don't realize that they're experts. When you are working in a theme park or a zoo and aquarium, and you are there, if you're a full-time employee, you're there five days a week, or even if you're there part-time, three days a week, whatever it is, you're there way more than your guests are, which means that you're seeing the natural flow of the operation way more than guests are. And maybe you've visited as a guest in the past. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're you're learning the the flow of the flow of the operation, even even just the infrastructure, even the layout. Because attractions, you know, whether whether large or small, sometimes might have a, a layout that yeah, it needs to be intuitive, but it's not going to be familiar to a guest coming in for the first time. Think of just the the common example of where's the bathroom, right? That being probably one of, if not the most common question asked in any attraction of any you know, scope and form, the, the employee knows where the restroom is, but do they know how important it is that they know that? So I talk about uh, anticipating guests' needs as being uh, one of the best ways to, to enhance an experience, be able to exceed expectation. And when you anticipate guests' needs, what it does is it allows you to recognize that you're the expert but you can't just use your expertise. You have to use your awareness of the guest in front of you too. So I, I talk a lot of, I was, uh, you know, I was at an aquarium recently and, and they have an escalator. And I said, how often do you see guests carrying a stroller or a wheelchair occupied up that escalator? And I were like everyone in the room, I, I didn't know what type of response I was going to get. I, I, you know, that's, for me, it's, it's taking it. It's a gamble on, on me asking a large group of people that question, but they said, all the time. And I said, you know, let's, let's see, this building was built in 1995. Uh, ADA went into effect in 1990, meaning by law, you're required to have an elevator. So I can talk this through myself and I can figure it out. But you have the opportunity to now inform your guests, use that expertise to be able to say, hey, I just want to let you know there is an elevator. I see you're trying to get up to the second floor. Uh, you, you don't need to go up the escalator with your wheelchair or stroller. So it's not only having the expertise, but it's realizing that you're the expert and then using that to extend it and, and use your awareness of the guest in front of you and what they might not be asking for. Well, and I think what that kind of leads to then is if you think about it from a leadership perspective, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, what gets recognized gets repeated. So are we telling our team members, are we reminding them that they are the experts, mm. right? Are we reminding them that they have this information? And then are we recognizing in, and rewarding that particular behavior, right? Because it's one thing to say, hey, great, you're here every day. Yay, perfect attendance, right? But then when you say, hey, you just saved that guest a lot of hassle by showing them where the or the, the elevator was, right? So they didn't have to go up the escalator with the, with the stroller. Um, you know, you were able to help that guest plan their day so that they could get the most out of it, so they could do the most things, so that they could do exactly what they the the family wanted. And I think that's another piece of it that a lot of times as much people, as much research as people can do about an attraction, 
you still don't necessarily probably know everything that there is to do, every offering that that place has until you visit a number of times over and over again. Repeat visits, visits, you know, get you that familiarity. So when your team members can tell you about that, this little hidden gem of a of an experience, or they can tell you about the elevator or whatever it is, and that just you know takes that ex that experience up just a little bit, right? You accumulate those, and then you get an amazing experience. So I think leaders need to be watching for those opportunities to recognize and reward when people are using their expertise. And I think in many cases it elevates the experience a little bit. And then I think in a lot of cases too, it elevates the experience a lot. If, you know, if you've got, you know, a, a group of guests and uh, maybe it's it's a family um, that has a child with autism. And as the expert of the operation, you know that you have a, a lower sensory area that maybe the guest, uh, maybe the guest hoped existed, but they, they maybe they didn't even know how to ask it. And you're able to direct that guest to, you know, to that area, to that quieter room, uh, you know, whatever that is within your facility. And they get there and they think, not only am I so glad that I'm here right now, but I'm so glad this was recommended to me because I I didn't think to ask it, right? And or or I I asked it, but I was I was able to get uh, you know, an, an answer that I would not have otherwise, you know, expected, or perhaps they said, Oh, you know, there's there's a you know a, a quiet kind of you know, it's, it's a little bit quieter because there's less foot traffic, right? Maybe that's something that, that they were expecting, but to be able to know that perhaps there's more. And obviously that's just one of a billion examples that the guest says, not only am I here, but I'm so glad that that staff member was the expert and used their expertise to be able to solve for the question that I that I asked for, solve for the, the challenge, the need that I had. And if we somewhat bring this full circle, right? As you talk a lot about reviews and the fact that, I think you said like a five-star review will typically have someone's name in it, right? So if you think back to our last episode where, where I talked about Eddie, you talked about Almond Joy and yeah. that experience, I'm thinking about this. And sometimes I think about that experience that we had at Tatler Jackson, Killarney, Ireland. It could have happened anywhere that Eddie was, right? And a lot of times sure. people, you know, people will ask, what's the, what was your highlight of your Ireland trip? And like, that's one of the things that I come back to first, right? But then I think, is this really Ireland dependent? No, it was Eddie dependent. Right. And so I think when you, when you have, you know, give people the skills, the tools to be the expert, you remind them that they're the expert, you recognize them for being the expert, um, you know, remind them that, hey, you've got this skill. And then, oh, by the way, be, when they do that, it shows up in the review and then you've got a, a slightly higher review. Now, that's really kind of the cycle, right? Yeah. Um, because now you've got the the end result of how this really did impact the guest. And then Eddie and Almond are now being um, recognized in those, those guest reviews. So Matt, you talked about kind of the, the challenge of cultivating the, you know, the experts. And, you know, you asked me sort of for, you know, for my opinion on it. And sometimes, you know, staff members, they're, they're the experts, they might not know about it. What about really developing that expertise? What do you, you know, recommend in terms of being able to, you know, I, I guess you could say beef up proficiency, but it's not just about, it's not just about the knowledge. It's about really being able to kind of, kind of own the, the space around you to ensure that, 
you're able to impart your expertise onto every single guest that you come in contact with. Well, I don't think there's any substitute for time and consistency, right? You mentioned bathrooms. It's one thing, again, to know where that bathroom is, but how do you approach someone and say, here's the restroom, or this is the best way to get there, or you know, whatever that is. So some of that comes with time. Um, repetition in, in training you know, helps with anything that you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. So I think it starts you know, in the very beginning, even with recruiting, right? A lot of times we talk about recruiting people that already have a, a knowledge of your facility. So if you're a theme park, and you have someone that comes to that theme park all the time, they probably have some knowledge of how things work, where things are. They may already be a bit of an expert, right? So then as they're going through the onboarding and the orientation process, now you're putting a little spin on it from the company perspective. Like this is how we want you to use that knowledge, cultivate that knowledge so that you are now using that to serve a guest. But if they don't already have that knowledge, then this is a great opportunity to start imparting that knowledge. But I don't think we should stop there, right? And a lot of times, you know, it's orientation and then on the job training and then boom, here you go, right? So I think we need to continue to cultivate that through morning meetings, through, um, uh, you know, little little drip trainings that we do throughout the throughout the season that really help people to see these are the the things that you already know. Let's test it. Let's let's recognize that and just keep that cycle going. So it's it's like you can't take your foot off the gas when it comes yeah. to focusing on what people need to know. Um, you know, reviewing that with them, testing that. I mean, it could be a, a simple question that you ask in a morning meeting, right? So, for example, if you have the the team that is in the aquarium and they're near the escalator in the elevator, right, and you ask it in the morning meeting, if you saw someone with a with a stroller heading toward the escalator what would you do right and so you're hearing these different kind of questions every single day so it does keep it top of mind and then even throughout the day as leaders and managers are walking around you know i found that a great time to just walk up to somebody and ask them a quick question you know mm-hmm. when i worked at valley fair and uh we were we had hand stamps back in the day right um and we had a different word for every day. And I would just walk up to people and say, what's the word of the day? You know, not even saying what the hand stamp is or whatever, but they, you know, after I asked it enough, they, they knew what I was talking about. And so that got them just kind of, oh yeah, the word is lion today, or it's, you know, door or whatever it is. Um, And so I think just those little opportunities that we have to ask those questions and reinforce the knowledge that they do have I think that's really a big part of it and to, and to do it somewhat consistently. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope those ramblings kind of help put some of, some of my thoughts into perspective on, on kind of how to, how to accomplish that. Yeah. Well, first I remember the story of the hand stamp in a, I would say in a previous episode, it was probably hundreds of episodes, <laughs> but I remember there was, there was a group of staff members they had a band was it and the, the band was called dome is that right you're absolutely right that could yeah. be their word of the day i know we're veering off topic a little bit from an employee engagement standpoint that was a cool story so go back and listen to whatever episode <laughs> start episode <laughs> one work your way forward yeah. um, in addition to cultivating the experts there also is the challenge of cultivating those I don't want to say the relationships with your guests, but there's the the 
time, not, not only does it take to develop that expertise, but the limited amount of time that a team member might have with a guest. So in an instance where somebody is pushing that stroller towards the escalator, yeah, that's probably a five second, hey, I see you're trying to get to the next floor, would love it if you took the elevator, and I'm, I'm sure you probably don't wanna take the stroller up the escalator, and it's, you know, it's right around the corner, you know, et cetera. In another instance where, let's say you're, you know, you're in a theme park and the family's walking around and they're really upset because their kids can't do anything. Well, it's not true. Their kids can do a lot of things. It might take time to say, hey, you know, uh, you know, what, what is it, you know, what is it that you're looking for? I, you know, I would love to help make sure that, that your entire family is able to have a great experience together. Let's pull out a park map and, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help you, uh, you know, get excited about the rides or the, you know, the attractions that your kids are going to be able to do. And they're going to love those the best because it, they meet the height requirement for it. It meets the thrill level that they're seeking, you know, and et cetera. That might be difficult if the you know the team members in in a rotation, and mm-hmm. you know they certainly can't do it while they're you know while they're pushing buttons, right? They they might not be able to do it while they're grouping guests. Um, even you know even if somebody is is sweeping, that is you know that I mean that's I think that a, a park sweep is almost a, a park guest ambassador position yes. as it is because you've got the most opportunity unless there's a really big spill over there, you know, that you need to, you know, that you need to get to. So it's, it's almost, you've got the job functions. You've got like this bullet point list of like, I need to be doing this at all times, but with just as much importance, it's, I need to make sure our guests who are paying money to be here are having the day that in their mind they're getting the value that they paid for. Otherwise, what's the point in any of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up a great point about awareness, right? Just being aware of your surroundings, aware of what you might encounter. Um, and it can be so easy. You and I have been in these in these positions before. Maybe we're grouping or we're like, you know, let's go, you know, you know, fill in all the available space or whatever it is. And it can be tough to see those opportunities as you have so many people walking by. And maybe that's not the right time to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe there's a few minutes before a show. I, I think about, you know, pre-shows where there's people standing around waiting for something to happen. And you know, as the operator, that there's going to be, you know, a few minutes before the show actually starts. And maybe you see somebody that you you notice is looking at the map or they're, they're talking about, oh, where can I get some ice cream? And it's having that, that, that that awareness of what people are doing around you and not being so focused on your next stop, which can be very easy to do, right? We all do it because I've got to get over to this control point in two minutes, right? Um, but it may only take 30 seconds for, to say, ice cream, right out this door and to the left is the best ice cream in the park and you're gone, right? But to that guest, like, oh, I just had like a drive-by encounter with a team member and they told me where to go get ice cream and this is going to be great and it's so easy. But you've been able to take that opportunity because you knew, because you know where the ice cream is, you also were able to do your your job. But I think it goes back to what you said about awareness, just being aware of what's around you, aware of what people are saying, that you can do that in a very, very short um, interaction, but still have a big impact. So let's talk about ice cream a little bit more. (laughs) Uh, I love ice cream. Yeah. (laughs) If you're in that situation where the guest says, where can I get ice cream? And you say it's at the doors to the left. That's the best ice cream in the park. Your proficiency might allow you to suggest your favorite flavor 
that is, you say that's, that's the best mint chocolate chip I've ever had. If you like mint chocolate chip, you're going to love that. Right. Mm -hmm. So now you're extending even beyond the question that's being asked. And then it kind of really, let's compare this to the example that opened up this episode. They said, you know, what, you know, what flavors are good in that ice cream shop? Well, you can get whatever you want. You know, now you've got the opportunity. I'm going to use my expertise to make a recommendation that's going to enhance your experience. And they're going to say, I'm so glad that Josh recommended that the mint chocolate chip, because that is the best right. mint chocolate chip I've ever had. And you know what? He's right. He is the expert. He has tried <laughs> every single flavor in this ice cream shop. But what that also may lead to is somebody might say, well, I really don't like mint chocolate chip, but if they've got really good ice cream, chances are their other flavors are good too. Right. So exactly. that, that piece of it. Now, you may remember another story that I've told, either recorded or not, but um, it was like my first week working at Universal um, in Orlando. And I used to love going out on my lunch break and just walking the park. And I was, of course, you know, dressed in kind of manager clothes, but I had a name tag. And I was really wanted to get familiar with the park and when where things were. And somebody came up to me and asked me for ice cream. And I didn't like I I was like deer in the headlights because I just didn't know exactly at the moment where to send them. But you also mentioned using a map, using a map or an app or whatever that can show you, show your, your guest that you're the expert. If you can show on the map, I said, well, let me find the closest one, right? So I'm, I'm buying a little time, but I said, let's grab a map and I'll show you. And, and I looked really quickly, like, where's the ice cream? And I said, oh, there's one right over here, blah, blah, blah. There's also one on the other side of the park if you had it that way. So you know, using your resources can make you look like an expert, even if you don't have the answer in your head. Yeah. So I think that that, that brings up a really good point because we're talking about cultivating experts and we're talking about cultivating the, the relationships to be able to use your expertise. But also, you know, you talk about um, you, you can't become an expert immediately. You talk about consistency right. and time being the way to get to expertise. So when a new employee first joins, on one hand, you can give them this massive book that has every single, you know, tiny little minute detail of any question that a guest might ever ask anytime, or you can tell them how to get information. Mm -hmm. And the example that you gave of the map, and yes, I do remember you telling that story. <laughs> Pretty sure you've told it recorded. You've probably told it unrecorded. I've probably heard it many other times as well. It sounded very familiar is, is an example of when, you know, as part of onboarding, as part of even before you get to like on the job training to say, guests are going to ask you a lot of questions that they expect you to know the answer to. We expect you to know the answer to them. Eventually. We also recognize it's a lot of information. So instead of teaching you all of the information, we're going to teach you, we're going to train you on how to find that information. And then let me ask you this, Matt, uh, if a guest ever asked you near around that same spot, hey, where can I get ice cream? You don't need to look at the map next time. Now I now, know. Now you know. So you're going to accumulate all of this information because you know how to find it, whether it's looking at the map, you know, with the guest directly. If they have an app, let's pull up the app and we'll, you know, we'll look at the app. If it is about how to ask a question, right? How to ask your leader, how to ask somebody else, encouraging, say, hey, I have a guest who wants to know where, where ice cream is. I really want to, I really want to help them. Can you know, can you help me understand so I can get that to the guest? Yeah. Rather than saying, I don't know, good luck on your quest to find ice cream. Right. Right. So I think that's part of the 
training and reinforcement where you say, you know, we don't want you to say, I don't know to a guest, but it's okay to not know, right? Because I think it's intimidating when we just say, you can't say, I don't know, right? But I don't know. And so now I'm intimidated and now I'm shy. And now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not seeking out guest interaction because I don't know. Instead, giving the people to your point, the resources to be able to find the information and training them on that, because you're right, then the the knowledge will will absolutely accumulate. Uh, But this also brings up something, you know, from a guest expectation standpoint that I know you talk a lot about is, you know, a lot of places will have something that's like an add on to the name tag that says like in training or, you know, I think Disney, they may still say earning my ears or whatever it says. Right. So. Do you think that that is something that helps mitigate the guest expectation? Like I'm coming up to Josh and it says in training, he may not know as much or he may not know everything. So a couple of things may happen. I may not ask, right? Or ideally it will increase my patience level with Mm -hmm. you. And I'll say, okay, he's still learning. I got to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, share some empathy He's still, he probably doesn't know everything yet, but I'm going to ask and just kind of see where it goes, but hopefully be a little bit more patient with, with him as he tries to find the answer. And because he may not have it on the top of his head. Or I'm going to go ask somebody else because I don't expect this person to know the answer. So so that's actually kind of an interesting point. It's like, um, does it, does it lower your expectation of that team member's proficiency because they've got the badge that says I'm, I'm in training. It's kind of like, uh, you're you're gonna drive slower from the car that's got the student driver thing, you know, on, on top of it. Or you're gonna, you know, you're you're not gonna try to interact with them in traffic or you know or anything like that because you know, okay, they don't have they don't have the proficiency that you know that they need to be at yet. Um, you know, that's you know that's interesting. You know, is like is is that the purpose of of that badge of please be patient with me? I'm learning. I might not know the answers, but I'm still here and I'm in unit, I'm in uniform and I'm in mm-hmm. a name tag. So you, you still need to have some expectation of me, but perhaps not the same expectation as the person next to me who's got a 10 year pin on their name tag. Right. <laughs> well, and one other interesting point that I just thought of, as you were saying that is, does it in some way actually help build the confidence of the team member? Right. Because now maybe with that in training badge, they're not expecting themselves to have all that information and Mm -hmm. that's okay. Right. So now I might walk up to a guest and ask them, do you have any questions? They may see that and say, well, I do, you know, you may not have the answer because you're still in training, but now it's, it's a, it's a different kind of interaction. Whereas if I didn't have that, like when I was walking around at universal and I didn't have an in-training manager badge on and they're asking me where the ice cream was like, if I didn't feel confident with 20 years of, of theme park experience before that to, you know, be able to improvise and interact with the guest, how was I going to approach that? Would I, would I even go out into the park and walk around if I didn't feel confident that I could handle some of those situations? So, you know, maybe there is a little bit of, you know, confidence boost, like, okay, I got this. Yeah, I'm in training. It's okay. Right. It's okay if I don't know everything, but I'm going to go boldly where no other team member has gone before. And I'm going to, you know, seek out these guest interactions, even though I may I may need some help in in fulfilling their their request. And then I think something like that 
needs to be probably communicated in training when they get that badge to say, we're giving this to you, not because it's I'm in training. I, you know, I have no responsibility just yet, but if a guest comes up to you with a question that perhaps you can't answer, your response can be, that's a great question. I'm new here. Let's find out together. Mm. And then, oh yeah, we're going to give you the resources to be able to, to understand how to, how to find that information. You're still able to help the guest. It boosts your own confidence. You don't get that shaky feeling when a guest comes up to you and, and asks a question. And that's, that's probably one of the things we want you to be most comfortable with, especially out of the gate is because if, if that doesn't get off to a, to a right start, then let's, you know, follow that trail throughout the remainder of their employment. It, you know, it, an employee might, might feel, you know, this is too overwhelming for me. I'm not cut out for this job. I'm going right. to go work somewhere else where people are going to ask me less questions and I'm going to have to know less information. Absolutely. Well, and the other thing I think this really has a positive impact on is retention. You know, we think so often about what do we need to do to retain our team members? Is it more money? Is it more gift cards? Is it more, you know, incentives? Is it blah, 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 blah? Well, so much of the time that people, you know, are uncomfortable in a job is because they're being asked questions that they don't know the answer to, or they're being put in, in situations that they don't know how to handle. And that can be difficult, you know, especially someone in, a, in their very first job, 14, 15, 16 year old, they're still, I mean, heck, even 20, 30, 40, 50 year olds, we're still developing as human beings, right? But especially that young, and you're putting somebody in that position where they don't know how to handle situations, that is that is devastating for someone's confidence, right? Yeah. And they're going to feel like this is not a place I want to be. So I'm going to go someplace else. Now, they may tell you it's because, you know, the place down the road pay, paid them a little bit more money an hour or whatever, but chances are there was something else going on. And so you can actually look at this, this expert um, concept that we're talking about as a retention strategy, right? Teaching people, uh, you know, getting them to learn about the facility, building their confidence is a way to keep them. And then even in the seasonal business, they're more likely to come back the next year. And they're more mm -hmm. likely to come back the next year and then maybe move into a leadership role. And then, you know, you never know where that can possibly go. So going back to Eddie for a second, when he said, yeah, I should be able to make a drink, but, you know, from people telling me what they want, because I've been doing this for 20 years, right? Yeah. One of the things that I I would love to see as more of a, a focus is service being a, a career. You know what I mean? Like I think about like, uh, people that work in, in the airline industry or car rentals or things like that, where they're serving people and that's their job. Like hospitality is their job, hotels, right? You know, I think we can we can maybe foster that a little bit more in the theme park and hospitality and, and, and attractions industry to say, you're not pushing buttons. You've got the hospitality mentality and ah. you, you can you can build a career serving others it just happens to be that this is how you're doing it. So I think that is a great thing to think about when it comes to retaining your team members for the long term. Well, now you're really talking like long term strategy of let's build up the expertise and the proficiency within our team members so that they feel more connected or to the organization and they know that what they're doing goes beyond the bullet points of their job functions. Um, one other thing too, uh, kind of that, that I think is probably important to, you know, to mention is kind of along the lines of 
retaining your employees and thinking about that from the start, whenever you start a new job, it's like you, you feel like the new kid in class. Right. And it's like, everyone's like, look at it. It's like, there's, there's the new guy. It, and it's probably not true. Like, but it's like, it's like, I feel new, yes. right. Yes. I feel yes. like I am still new here. And I, I don't think there's like a preset determined amount of like, well, is it three months? Is it six months? Is it a year? Like, when does that feeling go away? I saw a tweet not too long ago that was like, um, starting a new job is like joining, uh, the cast of it sitcom in season eight right like yeah, it's like everyone's like already there's all the very established characters and now it's just like okay who's this right yeah I, the goal then i think a lot of this is to eliminate that new kid in class feeling as quickly as possible mm. and do that through the proficiency the awareness of the guest in front of you and also understanding how to find answers to those questions i think can accelerate the learning curve of your organization, not just their on the job training. Obviously, that's you know that's really important too. But being able to just immerse them into it to say, doesn't matter. You've only been here a month. This person's been here six years. I, you know, I, I obviously yes, there's more seniority and and of course they you know they're more embedded into the organization. But I, we're, you're on a day to day level at the granular level, looking at the two of you as the same as you know as as the same person, the same. Uh, proficiency, the same, uh, you know, quality of employment. Absolutely. Well, and that's why from a practical standpoint, I love when op uh, operations are able to partner a new hire with somebody who's more seasoned and they're with them for like a week. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, they are absolutely on the same schedule and working in the same places. And, and part of that is also not just training them on the job, but introducing them to people. Right. right. Hey, this is Josh. He's, you know, he's new, but welcome him in. And, you know, you know, once you've got a, a kind of a friend or a contact that already has other friends and contacts, it's just like networking. Right. Yes. Then you're part of the club. Right? right. And then and then you have more people that are not wondering who this guy is, but they're like, oh, well, he's the new person. And Josh told me about him because, you know, he introduced me on the first day. And now there's more of a, a camaraderie and a feeling like, hey, I do. I do belong. And I think that's another thing that, especially when you have young people, but again, everybody wants to belong. So if you have an opportunity to create an environment where people really feel like they belong, they're much less likely to leave. So mm. I think that's another another piece of that. Totally agree. I think I think we we had some pretty good takeaways from this conversation here. I think, this I think was, so. Yeah. So fun stuff about experts. Yeah. Fun stuff about experts. There you go. The title <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> I, so I, I think, you know, the, the three biggest things that I, you know, that I, I gathered from this conversation, the first is about cultivating experts and taking the time and the consistency to do that. Uh, the second would be about using awareness of the guest. So not just having the expertise, but actually putting that expertise to work and recognizing that you are the expert and you can use that to your advantage for the guest experience, um, and then how to find answers of, mm -hmm. of being able to uh, not know everything, but at least know where to find the answers that then you now have the answer to uh, the next time that question comes around. Absolutely. So the next time you get a haircut, are you going to have the answers of when she says, Josh, what are we doing today? Yeah, I'm going to say, let's do the same thing every day <laughs> as we do every time. Because she's the expert. She's the expert. Just uh, take over. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you for uh, for indulging us in this conversation. I think it was a great uh, 
um, exploration of expertness. Um, and uh, we'd love to hear anybody else's thoughts on cultivating experts and using your awareness and and really just you know creating the environment for your teams that they they feel empowered, they feel like they belong, they feel like they have the expertise and they can they can serve your guests. So feel free to reach out to us on any channel that you'd like. And until next time, just remember, we are all attraction pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.